This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kays and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to, I think this is podcast nine. Mm. I'm Jeremy Fisher. And I'm Gillian Kays. Good morning. Uh, hello, good evening, wherever you are. Um, what is the topic today? Um, I've written down... <laughs> Make it work. Make it work. <laughs> this tells you something about the television programmes that we tend to watch. Yeah. It's runway, isn't it? Uh, runway, certainly, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, okay, as you can tell, we have absolutely no idea where this podcast is going. Have we prepared for it? <laughs> Normally, we have quite an interesting list of things that we want to talk about. And um, today, this was a sort of originally my idea, and we were talking about making it work and how we work and and how we have come to create so many resources mm. and what are the upsides and what are the downsides of being creative teachers. Yes, and um, I'm going to tell you why this is on our mind, particularly at the moment. Yeah. For the last six months, what it's almost... It's longer than that, isn't it's it? No Seven months that, yeah. now since lockdown. Yeah. Like most of you, we've been riding the wave, you know, kind of going along with it. Um, and uh, it's been a good time for us in terms of how we've been able to connect with the voice community. We feel yeah. very fortunate. Yes. But nevertheless, we've been riding a wave. And now what we're doing is we're actually taking some time more or less off. We're tired. <laughs> yeah, we are tired. As we would say in the UK... We are knackered. We are knackered. Um, it's, it's been really interesting because uh, prior to, I think we may have said this already, but prior to lockdown, we'd actually taken almost a year where we'd started to ease up on what we were doing. Yeah, we called it the deep thought. The deep thought moment. Um, and because we wanted to know where we were going, what we were doing, what we'd already done, because sometimes when you, when you do things you don't recognize what they are you just do them and move on but you don't recognize what they are and you don't necessarily recognize how powerful they are and what effect they have on people and it's it's really interesting just looking at the list we have something approaching 136 different resources mm -hmm. i know and look i've got to say that when we've taken biz advice which we have mm. um one of the big things that comes up is brand id Okay, we have a lovely, um, strong name, Vocal Process, yep. for voices that work. But um, what we found out is that... People don't know what we do. People <laughs> don't know what we do. And um, that can be an issue when you're you're running a small business. I, I guess what's been good for us about lockdown is that we really focused on working with teachers. Yes. And that's kind of really strengthened our, our brand identity. Can I have a small rant just right now? And if it's a small one? It's a small mm -hmm. one. Um, I remember talking to somebody that we were working with and he said, oh, you know, somebody was telling me about you. And he said, oh, I know everything about their work. And I thought, I know that person. That person has been on one one day course with us. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to know everything about our work. Even people who've been on three day courses go, can we do another three-day course? And then they discover that we actually know a lot more than, than that original three-day course. Mm. And when you think that we have actually produced over 130 resources, that's not, we're not repeating ourselves in those resources. We know mm. such a lot of stuff. And that's going to sound like a big, um, it's going to sound like a big boast. And in fact, it isn't because the whole process of us creating resources is about getting information out to people that it's, we have. It's just what we do. And the thing is, we've been doing it for 22 and a half years, something Together. like that. Yeah. 
um, and 21 years of them in, in business together. Yeah. So I'm and just, twenty of them married. I did. I did. Yes, we've done really well, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> We're still talking to each other. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Fisher. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I did write a little list of things that we have. Uh, we've done. You, if you go onto our website. Oh, can we just talk about how many the pages on the website, Jeremy? I cut it down to two hundred and fifty pages, mm-hmm. and that's not including the store used to be over 300. It used, actually used to be yeah. over 400 pages, and people just got completely lost on and it. And websites have changed. You know, when, when we first sort of put the website or that version of the website together, um, often they were there was loads of information on them and, you know, lots and lots of different tabs to go through. And since, really, the mobile phone has taken off and everyone has a smartphone, mm. We need much smaller chunks of information. Um, go on to www.vocalprocess.co.uk and admire the horror. Mm-hmm. That website is so old and we do apologise for it. So the part of the plan... And this is one of the reasons part of the why plan we're taking time off. ...is to do a new website. Yes. So, I mean, what would be really interesting is if you told us what you want on the website, because mm. I know there are certain things that I want that we haven't been able to put up front and centre. Mm. We have so many things like the BBC um, programme we did with Michael... Oh, so we've got media stuff. Michael Rosen, yes. which is just gorgeous, mm. half an hour and of him, of us, of us training him to, um, to do the spoken voice exercises and stuff like that. And I'd yeah. love to go back on that programme and do uh, singing voice mm. as well. Mm. And then the interviews... We could teach him to sing. Oh, I'd love to do that. He's doing quite well now, isn't yeah. he? he? He was very, very poorly. Um, so, and then the the uh, programmes where we were the voice gurus for Keris Matthews, that yeah. was fun. Oh, and she was just firing um, uh, albums and CDs and voices at us and going, analyse that sort of thing. And that was fun. She was very good fun. And then we've got a whole load of, of video stuff as well. And we've done courses for performers and for teachers um, for speech and language therapists, voice skills for speech and language therapists. I think this is something that people don't necessarily know about. We train speech and language therapists in vocal physiology. In in voice skills. I mean, we actually show them how voices work, which is an interesting dichotomy, really, because you assume that uh, SLTs will be incredibly knowledgeable about physiology, and there are gaps in it's, the training. It's more to do with the functional aspect because mm. um, the the mainstay of the training isn't about voice. Voice is considered a, a sort of a subspecialist yeah. in uh, speech and language therapy. Yeah, I hope I'm not um, misrepresenting our lovely no SLT ha- and SLP colleagues. Hello to the SLT SLP people. Um, drop us a note if we mm. have misrepresented you. And I think it is possibly more the case in uh, training in the UK. Um, yeah. What else? Gosh, what have we done? Choral coaching. Lots of choral coaching in different contexts. I mean, that's your background, really, Sneeze, isn't it? Sneeze is coming. Sneeze alert. Achoo. Achoo. Okay, be aware that when Gillian sneezes, there's normally about eight of them. Achoo. That's three. So um, that was Gillian sneezing, which went on for about four or five uh, moments. And um, then, actually, it was really interesting because the microphone picks up very, very clearly the state of your voice. And your voice wasn't quite back to normal. No, it wasn't. It felt a tiny bit croaky yeah. and a little bit trembly. Yeah. So what did you do? Ah, well, um, can I see my little SOVT thing? Yes. 
This is an SOVT straw, and this is relevant for our next podcast. Mm -hmm. This is um, the SOVT straw by Obi-Wan, which is a brilliant name, Uh, Oren Boda, who we'll be interviewing on the next podcast. So I did a little bit of... And my favourite voice exercise is to use the first phrases from uh, that we've used in our This is a Voice book. Yep. This sentence has five words. Here are five more words. Five-word sentences are fine, but several together become monotonous. And that is from Gary Provost's Gary Provost, book about yes. 100 Best Ways to Write, I think. It's a really excellent paragraph. It actually goes on further, but we use it because it's a really nice... Um, paragraph sentence to use as a, as a sort of it's not even an exercise it's a it's um well it's, it's an like example of good it's writing example. isn't it yeah well yeah. maybe we'll read the whole thing sometime because it has a really triumphant poetic ending he understands that he understood that um good writing was like music yeah we'll put that in the description mm. at the end okay, so we so... were talking about the fact that I had a background choral, in choral singing. Choral singing. And so we've done choral workshops. Mm. And we've done choral workshops with contemporary choirs. We've done choral workshops with um, non-auditioned choirs. Mm. And we've done choral workshops with classical choirs. So we did yeah. a, the last one we did and was a... Barbershop. Ve- and Barbershop. And Barbershop, yes. Uh, uh, barbershop, the guys. And, and the, the ladies. And the ladies. And then we did a mixed one. Yeah. Um, the last workshop we did was um, a Verdi Requiem choral workshop which is basically showing the choral singers Mm. how to cope with some of the real difficulties in the Verdi writing Mm. because some of it sits so high some of it is really rhythmic some of it you want punch some of it you want a really diffused sound so we were doing all sorts of um, exercises and techniques with them to make that performance really good Mm. Mm. (coughs) (coughs) the frog is still here Mm, that's, hello, not, that's not me, by the way. That's good. Mucus, um, mucus is good for you. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Mr. Jeremy Fisher is a character in Beatrix Potter stories. It's the frog in Beatrix Potter. Um, remarkably stupid frog, I think. So I'm not that pleased. Um, and the my parents did tell me that they didn't know about the story when they named me. And I'm thinking, yes. So school was not fun. But people know my name now, which is really interesting. Because mm. they go, oh, I've heard they of say, you. They say, oh, I've heard of you. And yeah. we, we say nothing. We say nothing. <laughs> so where where do we get to? I, I, did have <laughs> I this, have no idea. I did have this list in, in my head of choral, choral coaching choral, and choral workshop, workshops. Audition workshops, mm. schools workshops, insets, bespoke that, trainings, conferences. We do the lot. Yeah. And, you know, we we're looking at our website and thinking, well... How are we going to trim this down? How do we, you? What do we want it to tell people? And then it's a real ah moment, as it's, in arg. Yeah, who and, are we? I mean, what are we? Who are we? Yeah, and what do we do? I mean, I have to say, it would be really interesting to hear from you to to tell us who we are and how, what and it I, is that we do. Yeah, and how you see us. I think yes. that's really important. And we love it if you say legend, but legend who? You know, tell us a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And and so what we were thinking about in a way and what we wanted to talk about today was how how is it that we deliver the information about the voice uh, and voices that work in so many different ways and for different audiences yeah. and for audiences at different levels. Yes. And I'm using the word audience um, intentionally here yeah. because 
when you're writing for someone, when you're preparing a workshop for someone, when you're writing a lesson plan, you're creating a course, it is an audience that you're working with. Well, in order to, in order for something like that to be successful, um, well, actually, you can just, you know, basically stand up there and say anything you want. Um, in order for it to be successful, you have to understand your audience and you have to understand who it is that you're writing or creating for. Yeah, I mean, that's why in an earlier podcast we talked about the singer in the room. Yes. Obviously, the singer isn't an audience in that sense, but um, they are an individual and that when when you're working with them, the, the lesson that you give must be taking that individuality into account. So I would say one thing... Two things, actually, and they're related, that we use in our creativity is we think about context Mm -hmm. and we think about purpose. And actually, that's quite important because often what will happen when I'm creating is I'll have a germ of an idea Mm. and I'll come to Jeremy and I'll say, oh, I've had an idea and you know. Now, be fair. You come to me and you're going, we're doing this. And I'm going, what? And he'll say... What's the purpose? What's the purpose? Uh, and uh, that is a nice bit of creative sparking that goes on between us. Yes. Um, sometimes a little bit more than a spark. <laughs> but actually, you do need to know what the purpose is. You know, um, who is it that you want to connect with? Who is it you're communicating with? Um, um, what is it that you think they need? Yes. And what's the best way of helping them to understand? So obviously, if you're working with a bunch of school kids, it's going to be very different from a bunch of um, avocational singers who are uh, maybe high up in their own professional field and different again, um, delivering information about voice skills to speech and language therapists. Yes. Well, actually, um, just if you just take singers and you look at level and age, and when we talk about age, we're not necessarily talking about physical age. We're also talking about experience age. Mm. So you can have some 10-year-olds who are already leads in the West End. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. extremely experienced singers, even though they are only 10 years old. Um, And you can have some 50-year-old adults who are inexperienced singers. Therefore, they have Mm. chronological age, but not experience age. So if you are putting something together, either, you know, in in a more formalized business context or you're creating a, a product or an event, think about the context and purpose. I think that's really important. So context is everything. Yeah. I mean, so you understand I think, your audience and how you're going to connect with them. Context is everything because everybody has information, everybody has knowledge. But when you share that knowledge and you don't actually put it into the context that you are giving it into, if you like. It's got to be in a framework. It's, a framework. it's got to be, you know, there has there has to be a frame of reference. I think what's interesting about all the stuff that we've done, because obviously we've done books, courses, lesson plans, I mean, all sorts of things. Mm. Each one, and I love this, and I know I said this in the last podcast, mm. um, give me a format and I will work out how to how to make it work. Mm. Um, it's one of my things. You really do. Yeah, mm. and I, I like that because each format has something very different that it has to give. And if you look for the format and its strengths, mm. that's when that format becomes successful. So when we're writing, you have a format that is word only. Now, word really creates imagination. You take something off the page and you can imagine it, you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it, you can do all sorts of things with it. And it's often why when 
a really good book is made into a film, the film is very different. First of all, you are having to identify Im- immediately mm. um, how somebody looks, how somebody moves, what the setting is, what the costumes are, whereas you do that in your imagination uh, when you're reading. And secondly, your idea of something, you also have to edit in a film some things that you don't edit in a book. Mm. So lots of book is about description, and that description can be very specific and be very precise can be very elaborate and yet on film you get instant hit so you get everything in that description in one frame and you've either got to get it quotes Mm. right or you go off somewhere else there was only watching last night on youtube a thing about a historical costume that how many films get historical costume approximately right, but then they go, oh, well, this is for modern audience sensibilities, therefore those wigs can't look that ridiculous, even though they did look that ridiculous in that period. Well, that's a frame of reference. It's a frame of reference. And when you go into a different format, you have a completely different frame of reference. Mm. I um, want to point out how much Jeremy has used visual language. I mean, he loves film and mm. he loves television. television. I tend to see things televisually. Yeah, so I can share with you that uh, sometimes when we're putting a PowerPoint together for a, a presentation that we're doing or a conference, uh, and it'll often be me that comes up with the, the general framework mm-hmm. and uh, the you know, the course of the information. I'm quite linear in the way that I think, I must admit it. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll throw these things into the PowerPoint and then Jeremy will look at it and he'll say, I can't really do anything until I've seen it and, and I need the images here. Yeah. And that's, it. again, it's that sort of different approach that we have that I think really yeah. strengthens what we do. Well, it's also why I edit well because I'm, I have also edited books, and it's because I go, I can see the through route, and notice I use visual language all the time, even mm, though mm. I'm a non-specific, which basically means I'm a concept person. Mm. If I get the concept, I can see how the whole thing works, and I'm still using C language. Um, but if I, I'm a concept person, so you, if I don't get the concept, no amount of you explaining it to me will work for me. I will just go, nope, don't get it. Nope, nope, no. Nope. Oh, okay, got it. Right, it works like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything will then fall into place. So when I'm editing stuff, I'm going, well, that fits there and that fits there, but that doesn't fit there. That's something completely different. Let's shift mm-hmm. that around. And I'm actually using a lot of, I'm also physical because I'm shifting my hands around, but I use a lot of imagery in order to get something to flow really well. Mm, I'm much more of a sequencer yes, and a processor. Yes, you are. Yeah. Mm, all right. Well, let's go on and talk about... Ooh, before we do, mm. can I just talk about the app? Okay. I, I mean, because we, we have an app, which is the One, the minute, one minute Voice, voice Warm-Up. Warm-up. Um, and the One Minute Voice Warm-Up was very interesting. We were approached by Speech Tools, High Speech Tools, Hi Sam and Gary, mm. and um, we loved their stuff already. We'd already reviewed it, mm. and they said, would, would we like to do an app with them? And we had such a great meetings about how this was going to work and what we wanted to do. Mm. And it was Gary who came up with the One Minute Workout And that immediately I went, oh, can we actually do vocal exercises in one minute? Can we get them down, refine them that much that they are effective in one minute? And once we'd got that concept, we started to get the exercises that we wanted to do. And we had a description um, section 
which was like a tutorial. Yeah, and the visuals were really important, weren't they? Now, this is a case where Jeremy just turned his hand to something he'd never done before. <laughs> I can't draw. Because we were wondering how we were going to uh, create the, you know, the, the images, because people expect imagery. I love um, cartoons. And we didn't want want to do a video. No. I, I love we didn't we definitely didn't want to do live video we didn't mm. think that was the point mm. I love cartoons um, and I've actually been playing with cartoons I published a couple of cartoons just on the website didn't you just go on to Google Draw or I went something? to Google yeah. Draw which is the simplest program you can get and mm. I thought I can't think of anybody that could draw this stuff and even if they did I wouldn't necessarily know how to describe it I'm going to have to do it mm. so I went on to Google Draw and I love line drawings I love black and white line drawings so I went let's do some line drawings and I literally spent a day going how do you draw a, um, a profile of a head mm. how do you draw the vocal folds how do you draw the the throat mm. and um, came up with all of these things and then sort of cartoonized them mm. and made them move or more for you know created the cartoons for the for the, the videos and it took some time. I'm not going to deny that. That mm. took some time. But it was, um, I'm so proud of that mm. app. So it's you should really be. good. Yeah, so you should be. And also for that, um, not just the ideas that we, you know, put together, um, the the both of us, and especially and with Sam. Sam. Yeah. But um, the way it panned out visually, mm. I'm going to cough. <laughs> <laughs> You need the one-minute voice warm-up. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have warmed up today. I blame it all on the sneeze. Okay. The other thing is, you do need to know your stuff if you're going to create. Yes. I think you have to be confident in your knowledge. As it happens, because of our interest, which is about voice and making voices work in different contexts, one of our big strengths is our knowledge of vocal function, and I'm going to let you speak Vo while that cough removes itself from my throat. Vocal function. Vocal function. Um, people talk about anatomy and physiology all the time, and anatomy is the bits, and physiology is how they move. And it's lovely knowing all the bits. And actually, to be honest, you can go into in micro-minute detail, particularly now that people are looking at brain function and nerve function, and you are in micro-detail about how things work. What I think is, is good about physiology and the way that we understand it is that you're looking at what essentially at mechanics and engineering. So you're looking at, this is connected to that, the, the knee bone is connected to the shin bone, mm. but what's important, what's more important is how the knee and the shin interact in mm. movement. And it's usually you'll find it's not one muscle. It's several sets of muscles that are working in synergy. So when yeah, one muscles muscle, aren't solo um, no, activators no, as a not. rule. No, they're not. And, and in a way, this is where the micromanaging can go wrong, mm. where you go, well, this is the vocalis muscle is doing this. And I'm mm. going, well, the vocalis muscle can't do that. What's it joined onto? And what else is, is counteracting it? So the vocalis muscle can't do that until uh, this set of muscles lets go and allows it then to, to move whatever the, that particular thing is. Um, and I think what's important about physiology and mechanics and engineering is that you start to pan back. I'm doing using visual language again. You start to pan back until you can see more of the structure and how it's interconnected with other things. That is something that we understand on quite a deep level. Mm. And it's actually why we go, 
these are the exercises that we use. These are the fixes that we do. And this is why we know they work. Mm. And I think it's really interesting. I would say that an understanding of physiology and mechanics is probably the most important thing if you're going to teach singing. And there's one other bit, which is the context of performance. If you get those two, you are almost certainly going to be a successful singer. Mm. And I just want to talk about physiology because for me, physiology, understanding physiology is not about what someone has told you. It is not about what you have learned, what someone has said, you know, this, this or the muscle, lecture that you attended or the lecture that you attended or even the set of courses. I mean, that you've well done. done for attending it, by the way. But often what happens, I think, in um, pedagogy courses is that quite rightly, you are presented with information about the mechanics of the voice. But if you don't understand how those, those work in context, mm. then sometimes what happens is you come out with all this information and you don't know how to purpose it. You know, what's it for? Mm. Not only is that information in isolation, but it's been taught in isolation as mm. you can move this muscle and no attention is being paid to anything else that's going on. <clears throat> that always worries me because it's not real. I mean, it's lovely, but it's not real. And so my thing, I mean, what you and I have done is to sit and work out stuff that mm. we have not necessarily been taught. Yeah, and but also not necessarily on our own. I think we've mentioned before that we do hang out with clinicians as much as we can. We do. And this is an ongoing journey for, for us, you know, as um, <clears throat> medical knowledge itself and the instrumentation for looking at the voice while it's in action. I think the other As that develops, you know, um, we constantly ask questions of colleagues who know more about what's going on in the inside. Mm. I mean, one of the highlights of this year for me, I don't think I've talked about this yet in the podcast, the highlight of my year so far was uh, having a three-day internship mm. at the uh, Deutsche Stimmklinik with Professor Marcus Hess and his colleagues where I was not only able to sit in clinic and watch um, case history taking and diagnosis, but I was also invited to watch operations. So I went into theatre in my scrubs, mm. uh, and it was an enormous privilege to see the physiology of the voice in action. I learned a lot from that. And this is the kind of thing, I mean, we, we must go again when mm. when we're able to travel. This is the kind of thing that informs us. And as I said, it's, it's an ongoing journey, you know. There's one more thing that I think is important, and that is a very healthy sense of bullshit. Yeah. Um, I, am in fact, I am in fact wearing the vocal process bullshitometer badge. Mm. Yes, it's real. Uh, I had it designed, and the vocal process bullshitometer badge has magical powers. When you wear it, um, you get me whispering in your ear going, I think this is bullshit. Um, yeah, always uh, stay curious. And if you hear something maybe delivered in a very didactic way and it doesn't make sense to you, then ask a question. And if you feel that that question isn't fully answered... Or avoided. Or maybe um, the person you're questioning isn't able to say, actually, I don't know, Yeah. then, you know, use your, your bullshitometer meter and just go and check it out from somewhere else. <laughs> uh, and that applies if you hear us say something and you go, what? Oh, you can question us. What are you us. talking about? Yeah. If we, we say some, questions. Yeah. If we say something that you don't agree with, question us. 
Because mm. either we'll know what we're talking about and we'll be able to explain it, or we'll go, mm. well, you could be right. And do, I'm going to say this. I do think that our ability to um, deconstruct vocal function in this way, the fact that people know we are ongoing studiers and the fact that we are able to say, we don't know, this isn't our area. Mm. I think it gives people quite a lot of trust mm. in us as mm. trainers. Because what we do know, we know at a deep level. And mm. what we don't know, usually we know we don't know. Yeah. Usually. It's essential to know what you don't know. Uh, yeah. As far as you can. Yeah. Okay, let's so move the, on. The, well, let's talk about the next bit, which is the performance we and the context love of performance. music. We love language. We're both musically trained. And, and do you know, it's really surprising that there are actually, quotes, singing teachers out there who don't have musical training. Or experience. Now, this is this is interesting because it's different. We're not talking here about music reading. We're not talking no. about music literacy. We, no, no, no. We have talked about this before, yeah. so we shouldn't overegg it. Fine. Okay. I won't overegg it. Um, but um, this is really interesting that that we equate musical experience and musical training as being the same thing mm. because it gives you different aspects of how music works. What's fascinating is that you can also have people with really intense musical training, but not that much performing experience. And therefore, they don't get to find how that music works in context again. Mm -hmm. So we're always talking context. We know a lot of um, singing teachers who don't necessarily read music that well. They haven't had classical training. And that is not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, that, but they have huge experience of actually doing the job, being up on stage, being in the recording studio, mm, doing it. Mm. And therefore, you have so much to bring when you have that level of mm, experience. Mm. Can we talk about language? Yes. Jeremy and I are both avid readers, um, you know, avid readers from childhood. I sort of read all of George Eliot's work by the time I was in the second year at my secondary school. I was more science fiction. I was never a big Dickens fan, but I read loads and loads of Thomas Hardy. I'd read all the Brontes, etc., etc. I just loved reading. I'm going to just say, when people come to the house, we have something like 12 sets of bookshelves. Mm. And um, there's a very, very straightforward divide. This is for the light reading, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you see anything that is English literature, that'll be Gillian's. Mm -hmm. If you see anything that is science fiction, comedy or spirituality, that'll be mine. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, see anything that's fairly hardcore, <gasps> psychological thriller... Oh, yeah, you do the blood and guts. Yeah. I do yeah. The, the... Anything to do with forensics. Yeah, so oh. in crime, because we both love crime, mm -hmm. uh, crime books, uh, you do the blood and guts and mm -hmm. the forensics, and I do the historical... Um, it's the equivalent of easy listening, because mm. it's, um, it's important. And oddly enough, I'm happy to read about that stuff, but once or twice when I've tried to watch it on TV, um, I'm just thinking of some of Linda LaPlante's stuff. I couldn't watch it. I'm okay to read about it. I don't want to see it. It's too visceral. Yeah. But then this, but we're right back to yeah. the thing that I said almost at the beginning, which is when you read it in a book, you imagine it yourself. When you see it on mm. television, it has been imagined for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this is also about discovery. Mm. It's personal discovery. Sometimes when 
people will teach you something or say something or will demonstrate something and you understand it on quite a deep level. And sometimes you just go, oh, that's really interesting. And it absolutely bypasses you. Mm -hmm. And I think this is all about personal understanding and your personal, it's not even your style of of, um, learning. It's just whether you take something in and get it or whether you don't. Mm -hmm. And you are very hot on communication. Yes. If you communicate clearly with Jeremy, he's a very, very happy bunny. Absolutely. Um. So why did we talk about language? Because, well, first of all, because we have done, uh, we created products for spoken voice, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole section on spoken voice in uh, This Is A Voice and, and the app is geared towards spoken voice. And I'm but, doing voiceover coaching now, yeah, which is fun. You are. love doing that. So much to play with in that. But because when we sing, we usually sing words. Yep. And we, I mean, I in particular love text uh, because I worked for 20 years in drama schools. I got to hang out with some really good um, voice and text people. And I just love digging into all of that and finding out how Shakespeare works, kind of finding out about meter, um, you know, kind of really being able to look at the poetic side of song. But also, as a, as a classical singer, you headed for leader rather than opera. I did, indeed. Yes, I used to do my own translations. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, why don't you talk, because we've been talking about loving music and loving language. Do you want to talk a little bit about rhythm? Oh, yes. As you are the rhythm person. Um, rhythm is really interesting because when we think of rhythm as a musician, you tend to think of crotchets and quavers and eighth notes and sixteenth notes and rests and stuff like that. And in fact, rhythm and pulse tend to be slightly different things. Pulse is the sort of overview feel. Um, anybody who who sings Motown or rock will understand pulse mm. because it's a feel thing. But pulse actually goes through. It doesn't just go through all music. Um, and I have to tell you, if I can't feel the pulse of a piece, I'm really quite upset. You're disturbed. I am. Yeah. It's really yeah. strong. But also pulse goes through spoken voice as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you will notice, by the way, in just in the, the different speeds that we speak, ref- tend to reflect our personality. Mm. Um, I will not really do slow speaking. Mm-hmm. Or I might do slow speaking while I'm thinking of the rest of the sentence. Uh, and then I'll speak up again. Jeremy's goal is to fit in as many <laughs> concepts and words as he possibly can within the same no, sentence. I'm, no, I'm going to pick you up on that. That's not the case. Uh, I do do subclauses. So I do a lot of subclauses. Mm. But mostly it's because my brain works really fast. And I have all of these ideas and I have to get them out to the point where sometimes my mouth just doesn't keep up. And we we like the links between that kind of the prosody of speech yes. and how that translates into song. Yes. Uh, and anyone who's a Sondheim fan will know exactly how that works. Or Jason Robert Brown. Yeah. Yeah, he writes really that good conversational if you music. you speak the text and you speak it with inflection and meaning, it's so close to the rhythmic structure in many, many cases. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Right. So where are we going with this? Uh, Why are we doing this? What's the context? Should we, I mean, I'm just wondering (laughs) if we could give some examples of stuff that we put together. For instance, I know we've talked before about why we did the webinars. Oh, yeah. But so if you imagine, you know, us creating a, a webinar on a particular topic, 
And meeting that need. Usually we created a webinar. In fact, almost all our webinars were created for a specific reason. And Mm. often it was to counteract bullshit. Mm. It was to counteract the bullshit that was out there. Uh, We could say myth busting. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in one of the... Two of the webinars, there's a myth-busting section. But it's more than that. It's actually giving people the information and the tools that they need in in order to learn that particular topic. So yeah. uh, we've got three troubleshooting webinars, haven't we? we have. And those webinars, they came right at the end of the series, actually. And we felt that what, uh, and this was in particular for teachers, that what teachers needed was to be able to look at songs um, in context and to see how to purpose, you know, the work that we do um, in uh, vocal exercises on breathing, how to purpose that within the context of a song. Mm. And in this case, we had two or three different songs. Mm. So we looked at, you know, problem solving within the song. So we were thinking very much about the problems that the singer might meet Mm -hmm and how the teacher would address those issues within the context of the music mm-hmm. and uh, understanding of the, the physiology of breathing and the sorts of breathing exercises that singing teachers tend to use. So that's an example of how the creativity and all those elements we've just talked about took us to create that product. I just, I'm going off at a little tangent on breathing. It is extraordinary for me how many people do breathing exercises that don't involve voice. Mm. Um, and I'm I'm not sure, honestly, not sure what the purpose of that is. Because if you're going to do breathing for singing, singing by its very definition is voiced. Um, yes, you will have unvoiced consonants, but they won't form the, the main bulk of mm. singing. The main bulk of singing is voicing. So if you're going to do breathing exercises, but you're not involving voicing, what are you teaching? Because voicing is interrupted airflow. So if you're not going to set that up to mm. start with within the exercise, mm. what are you teaching? Mm. I'm sure I'm sure that we will get comments on this and people will say, well, it's perfectly obvious well, you're what get we're teaching. Well, you're going to get a comment from me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the comment from me is it's to do with awareness. And sometimes, do you remember when we did that course for the speech and language therapists yes. back in March? And, you know, we went almost straight away into doing things like, because to us, this is obvious. And I think somebody put their hand up and said, well, but what about people who simply have no sense of their abdominal wall? And we really had to backtrack. True. And uh, one thing we did, I remember, was that we had people just sitting, you know, in a balanced stance and just resting their hands on their bellies with a little bit of weight and feeling what was moving because so many people aren't in contact with that. Mm -hmm. So it is about tuning in and awareness and those exercises do have value. I think what you've got to remember is that a lot of the community of people we work with already have some awareness. So that was us responding to our audience. I'll take that. Yes. Um, What is interesting... Lesson learned. What is interesting is that what you're talking about is awareness and Although awareness runs through quite a lot of the whole business of singing or speaking Mm. or performing, Mm. what you're talking about is like a pre-exercise, which is you need to become aware of something before Mm. you can move it. Now, that's not always the case. Yeah, it's not an exercise, it's awareness. And I think that's different. I think what what bugs me about people who do breathing, this is for singing, breathing exercises that don't involve voicing, 
is that what they don't realise is that essentially that's an awareness set of awareness exercises. And everything changes when you open your mouth to make a noise. Everything changes. Pressure changes, flow changes, volume changes, sound changes. And the internal feedback that you have changes. So if you're not, if you're going to do, and now you've done your breathing exercises, now let's sing a song. That's too big a step. Uh, there aren't any interim steps there. I'm, I'm going to support a little bit of your, your idea because now what's happened is that it's popped into my mind that someone I worked with decades ago at the Actors Centre when we lived in London. Um, very nice guy. He was a, an actor. And uh, he talked about the column of air. And I was listening to him sing. And, you know, it was maybe the first or second lesson just sort of getting a chance to get to know him and what his patterns were. And I said, tell me about the column of air. And he said, well, I'm keeping the column of air at all times. And I thought, okay, somehow I've got to debunk this column of air. Because if you think about it, if you're using that idea and maybe you've done a lot of floor work and you're really focusing on this, All of that's going to change the minute you interrupt your airflow. Mm -hmm. And suppose then you're trying to keep that sensation, that lovely sensation of the column of air, while you're vocalising. What is that going to do to your voice? And what's it going to do to your stopped consonants? And how is that going to work out in certain parts of your range? So we kind of wrapped very beautifully the column of air and said, that's lovely when you need to kind of tune into your body. Uh, now what we want to do is find out what happens when we bring voice in. So that's, uh, yeah, I you're think, thinking of those sorts yeah, of things, aren't I you? Am, I yeah, am. Yeah. I think the column of air is an interesting one because mm. often when people use it, they use it as a given and it's not a given. I think when the column of air idea actually might work is when somebody is simply not feeding enough air mm. under their vocal folds mm. and then you need an imagery thing. I mean, imagery is an interesting one. There are some images that work very well. Uh, there are some images that actually are connected to neural linkages. And there are some images that work well for the teacher, but have absolutely no meaning for the yeah, student. You've got to make things up for your students, I think. Yep. So, yeah, we kind of ended up <laughs> sort of in agreement. <laughs> So, so many diversions have we had oh today? Oh, loads. Lots I, of I mean, we've had so many diversions, I can't even remember what the original track is. What's mm. the, what is this about? Creativity and making it work. Okay, creativity and making it work. Let's get right back to that. Mm. Creativity is taking something and making something different. So mm. what you have a really, really good skill at putting people together. Mm. so that you can get groups of people together or you can get pairs of people together and they will create together. They'll, it's bringing people, it's not even like-minded. You have a really good skill at this. Um, whereas I will look at things mm. and go, that mm. uh, I do things. I mean, I'm mean, i more of a people person, collaborator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, ironically, I'm a collaborative pianist, mm. so I'm working with people as a, as a musician all the time. But I do but this... nevertheless, I've been loving lockdown because I don't have to yeah. collaborate with people. I do this with information, with, with facts, with skills. One of the things I love is the interconnectedness of things. Mm -hmm. So uh, from that point of view, we're actually a very good team because he's, he's the concept person and the purpose person. And I'm looking at the, um, the interconnectedness of things. Yeah and seeing how things link together. And I think that really helps people who come to work with us because, uh, you know, 
we n- none of this stuff that we're talking about with voice, whether it's singing, whether it's speech and language therapy, um, none of it exists in in a vacuum. Yes, I think that's really important. I'm going to say because because that's how you, that's what you connect and it's what you respond to. I respond to energy um, mm. without mm. question. I respond to energy, so it's the energy of a thing. Things mm. have energy. It's mm. one of the reasons, by the way, why I can unlock stiff locks. Which is going to sound really weird. He does. But Gillian will go, this door is stuck. And I'll just go, in is the key. And it goes like that. And it opens. And because I'm sensing the you energy. You become the key. I, I, well, I become the keyhole. Um, just, just sounds like a weird sentence. Um, but there are, things have energy. People have energy. And I'm able to put energetically to put people and things together, mm. which is why I'm so good on repertoire. Mm. I can find songs for people where I go, this song will fit your energy. Mm. Uh, the same song will not fit your energy because you're a different energy, but here's an energy that will work for you. And I know, I mean, all the actors are going, but I have lots of things that I can do. Yes, of course you do. Yes, everybody does. Nevertheless, there are, that's as, that's as close as I can get, which is it's an energetic exchange. Mm. Do you know what? You've just done a segue. <laughs> you have done a very neat segue okay. uh, to talk about the song lists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sponsors today are Vocal Process, and they, we have three specific things that are sponsoring us today, and that is our song lists. Mm. Now, um, those of you who are on our mailing list, um, if you're not on the mailing list, just go on the vocalprocess.co.uk website and join. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was this week, last week, I sent out an email about the song lists and Mm. somebody had emailed me and said, I bought your song list, one of the song lists, but I'm not quite sure how to use it. Now, we have three song lists. The first one... These are databases of songs. Database, spreadsheet databases of songs, but they're much bigger than that. So the first one is a general song list, which has repertoire for um, adults, uh, changing voices, boys, changing girls... Um, it has folk, MT, musical theatre, um, it has classical, it has all sorts of things in it. Uh, pop or CCM. There's 193 songs or song books in that list alone. Um, the second one is we then did two specialist lists, which is specialist musical theatre lists for female voice and for male voice. And these were put together by one of our accredited trainers. Kate Gavigan. Who uh, is... Very, very experienced at working in musical theatre, both at university level and also, you know, taking um, young people right through the whole exam process. She is particularly good on repertoire for changing and settling voices. So the sort of 11 to 18, Mm -hmm. 19 um, age group, Um, really good. um, You know, one of the things that we asked her to do was to talk about you know the pitch range of the song where um where most of the song centers pitch wise yeah what kind of energy it would suit uh i think she's i think there's a is there a column about whether the words are suitable or not for someone of under no that comes in notes um there's a there's a notes column there's Mm. a pitch range column and also voice type so you'll have baritone 
um, C3 to F sharp 4. Mm. So you'll have absolutely specific um, notes that the, the song goes to. You've got uh, what type of song it is. I mean, yes, we have ballad and up tempo, but mm. within that ballad and up tempo, you have about six or seven. It's like pattern, narrative. Diff- um, yeah, we uh, have. Lyrical, romantic. Yeah, so all sorts of subcategorizations of that. You have a composer, lyricist, the year it was written, the show it comes from, or the mm. or the, the artist who originally recorded it. Mm. So these these are there's a lot of information in these, and these have been tried and tested yes. um, by Kate. So she yes. knows that these work for uh, students in particular situations. And we felt that you know we know there are other song lists out there, but we didn't think there was anything that uh, gave teachers like this, this critical information about. Okay, I've got a student here who's very thoughtful. I need to get them singing in a slightly more contemporary style. Is there a nice narrative song Mm. that I can get them to sing? Um, Mm -hmm. What's the pitch range? Mm -hmm. Because obviously you can uh, always transpose. Uh, Is this going to be suitable for that particular female singer and also if you are um having if you have students that are auditioning for drama schools very often they will be given a specific year that they want the song before Mm. or after Mm. so it's a pre-1970s up tempo and you Mm. can search on the database for pre-1970s up tempo Mm. um the musical theater female list has 219 songs in it which is extraordinary and the specialist musical theater male list has 250 songs and this didn't really come about deliberately, but it is interesting that I think songs for the men are more difficult to find, and therefore we've got more in there. That's what Kate said. Yeah. yeah. And um, the reason that I sent the email out uh, last week was because of the person who contacted me and said, I'm not sure how to use the databases. And so, it's, is it an Excel? It's an, it's an or, Excel or spreadsheet. A .CSV. It, well, yeah. uh, the general song list is a .xls. Mm. XSX, whatever it is. Um, and the two specialist lists are .csvs, so they will open in anything. We are I mean, not sponsored today by, by Microsoft, no, sadly. Absolutely not, no. Although we have worked at Microsoft headquarters. Mm. Um, and so I created a video showing people how to set up the a spreadsheet and sort and filter. And filtering is amazing. Mm. Filtering will do all the work for you. So, so for example, if I was looking for lyrical, yeah. and then, so I do a search for lyrical. What you do is you go into the um, column, you yeah. select the whole thing. I mean, you'll see this on the video because I actually do simple simple filtering and then I do complex filtering mm. where I'm filtering three columns at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that's, that's what I um, want Yeah, so you mm. can go into the style column and actually you can either um, do the filter, uh, do the pull down filter and then tick everything that says lyrical in mm. it. Or you can do something much more simple much simpler, which is you go into the search box that's part of the filter and you type in lyric. And anything in the list that contains the word lyric or lyrical Mm. will actually will filter itself out mm. and you're left with a list and it can be lyrical ballad, lyrical up-tempo, lyrical contemporary, it can be mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Good. So the little YouTube video that you've made shows you how to do that. I mean, I know lots of people know how to navigate spreadsheets. Su- I mean, you'd be surprised. I've been using spreadsheets for some time and it was actually only when um, that particular person said, I'm not sure how to use the spreadsheets, mm. that I put mm. down all of these thoughts. And in fact, the search box I'd never used before. I'd just done filtering by hand. 
Um, I've done, you know, ticking and unticking. And I show you a quick way of selecting the ticks as well. So um, I, I even I learned something doing the the uh, making the video myself. Mm, mm. So yes, the you it's on YouTube. It's yeah. um, share the joy. Share the joy. Um, so we had, like I said, the the video I use the specialist mail database to use that as a demonstration. Mm-hmm. I have blanked out some of the song names, so you don't mm. get the database for free. Sorry. Um, but it's not expensive. Is the it? general list of the 193 songs is a fiver. Okay. And the two specialist musical theatre ones are £10 each. Mm. Um, but go on the, the YouTube channel and have a look at how it works because it is an extraordinary resource when you are just looking for songs and you have the person in front of you and you're going, I want a post 1970s up tempo that is baritone range that doesn't go higher than a G. Sorted. Mm. I think there's 16 of them. Mm. So, um, yeah. What a mine of information you are. Okay. So, shall we talk... Do you know, we haven't had any AMAs for ages. We, we haven't. We must get some AMAs out for our next Ooh, podcast, which, next which we're podcast. going to flag, and should we have a little moment? We, ha- we shall. Just um, if, you are on, if you're watching this on YouTube, we are holding up our straws these are the um sovt these are the uh oran boda's ob1 metal straws they are really good and this is mark two that we have um but so in fact for the next <laughs> what are we going to be talking about so, next so excuse the moomins from next door um what next podcast is oran is actually going to be our guest on the podcast so yeah. the whole podcast is dedicated to sovt or semi-occluded vocal tract actually, exercises it's under a generic uh title of lockdown heroes yeah because we wanted to have a few guests under that title because it's been amazing to see what some people have been doing across the last few months. And, and, you know, we're not out of the woods yet with this, but this is exactly a case where people have been creative and have been making it work in whatever, you know, um, with whatever challenges that they've met and have still come out with something amazing. There is an extraordinary story behind Oren's um, uh, achievements and uh, we want to share some of that as well Mm. as some of the exercises and some of the chat. So what we want you to do is to deliver us some AMAs, some Ask Me Anythings, and we have something very specific for you if we haven't mentioned it before, which is speakpipe.com dot com slash vocal process mm-hmm. and if you go on to speakpipe.com slash vocal process you can record an ama for us and we will play your recording mm-hmm. on the podcast you know we've done that before um, but we know there's going to be lots of amas we want on this lots one. and also be really helpful for Aaron as he's moving forward yes with um you know with the development of his uh, sovt work yes so that will be the next podcast. You have approximately a week to do those speak pipes. We're recording on the 19th. Yeah, because this one won't... Uh, we, record, we normally record two or three days before because I get the time to edit everything. Mm. Um, so you'll have about a week to 10 days to yeah. deliver us some AMAs. So please do that. Mm. Um, check out the Vocal Process YouTube channel. Um, check out any of the links. Anything that we've mentioned will be linked in the description uh, for the podcast. Oh, and don't forget to uh, drop us a line saying, this is how we see you, Jeremy and Gillianne, and yes. try to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> you don't necessarily have to be polite. We'll just delete you if you're rude. 
Are we done? I think we're probably done. I think we're done. That was quite an interesting one. Mm. We really weren't sure where we were going with this one, but we were fairly fluent we, on it. We hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> so okay. we'll see you next... Oh! Thank you. <laughs> Been dying to use that. Recorded it ages ago. Um, so we are done and we will see and hear and talk to you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kays and Jeremy Fisher.